Hello, uh, welcome the damned to Pod Damn America. Hi, it's Jake. Uh, hello. You may have noticed that the show didn't come out for a week. Um, so hello to those of you that didn't unsubscribe in a fit of rage because you couldn't get your podcast goodies. Um, just, to, just so you know what's going on, there's plenty of show. She'll be backed out. It'll be back out. It'll all be out soon. We'll be sort of caught up over the next few weeks. Um, I just had a, a fucking little, uh, um, what's a fun word for like a mental breakdown? I don't know. Um, the kid's your dad. He had to, uh, he had to go do the floss dance in with, uh, with some doctors. I don't know. I was explaining shit to kids. Um, yeah. Damn it, I can't even, I don't even, I've been out of commission for two weeks. I don't even know what the hot teen lingo is to make fun of this sort of shit. Um, yo, okay, so I had to go to the fucking psych ward hospital thing, and it fucked up uh, the show. Plus, all the things leading to that also probably didn't help. Um, the last few weeks have been kind of experience a little depression and also like narcolepsy or something i can't stop falling asleep so since i'm the person who like edits and puts out the show it got backed up a little bit like a you know like a hose like you held the hose and you put a kink in it for a couple of weeks and then when you let go extra podcast is going to come out um so yeah, it'll be back to normal soon. Um, I know, like, on our Patreon, we make sure to try to put out two of these a week. Uh, the numbers will all even out. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you got fucked over last week, don't worry. Four podcasts um, this week. I'm seeing double four crusties. Uh, so, <laughs> also, I'm going to talk about, like, the whole fucking thing. And what's been going on with me on the show soon. I'm working on some stuff about the healthcare industry because the part of the story I'm in right now is that the healthcare industry is fucking bad, which I'm sure if you listen to this show you know, but there's some some interesting shit to be explored with uh what's been happening this week. Um good fucking lord. <sighs> they took my candy from me when I went to the ER. Alright, um... <laughs> you know you can't take candy to the hospital? Okay, so... Anyways, because we're on, like, a bit of a delay, the sh- like, the... The show where I'm sort of caught up and talking about all this shit is gonna be in a few episodes. But I had a couple episodes already recorded before all this stuff happened, so, uh... So that, like, that it'll just... This is from before kind of I knew what was going on um which I had to re-listen to this and noticed that when we recorded this I was nodding off and shit um not because the episode wasn't good luckily luckily I had a great guest um Michael Brooks from the Michael Brooks show in the majority report 
is a very smart guy, and so actually I feel really lucky that I was able to just sit down and record, you know, like an hour and a half with this dude, and, uh, you know, we decided to talk about Bolsonaro and um, Brazil, and then later on for the bonus we're going to talk a little bit about, like, the new atheists, because they're just, they're bad, they're terrible, um, and a number of other things, but uh, he's a really smart guy, and he's really good at radio, so he's able to just sort of go off as they say. <laughs> um, and he's very fascinating, so there's a lot of good stuff in this episode that you can learn from him about, um, you know, all of uh, Brazilian politics that sort of happened recently and how they relate to the whole ongoing uh, tide of fascism, yada, yada, yada. Fascism, yada, yada, yada. Hey, 2018, everybody, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> it's... Uh, just a detail in life now. There's Nazis and shit. Um, yeah. So, anyways, um, thank you for uh, supporting the show. And uh, those of you that hit me up and reached out to me and DM'd me and all that shit. Kind words. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, you, you guys make the show. What am I trying to say? I don't know. Um, <laughs> show wouldn't exist without you, obviously. Uh, it would be in the, it would be on the pile of failed podcasts. Or I've thrown many shows before this. Mr. Cleo's not dead, though. I'm just, uh, busy. Um, yeah. Anyways, without further ado, enjoy, um, I got the, f- I think the full house in here. No, I got it. You'll see. Um, but yeah, enjoy Michael Brooks, everyone. into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. Welcome to Pod Damn America, um, uh, the podcast for idiots. I don't have it in me to make up a goth thing this week. Um, I like idiots. Go <laughs> with that. Yeah. They're idiots, but they're dead. Yeah, there you yeah. go. For dead idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got to be mean to your fans. Keeps them coming back. Can't be too coddling to them. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. I'm Jake Flores. I've got with me Alex Patak. It's Pod Damn America around the world. Oh yeah, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. Um, and special guest this week uh, from the Michael Brooks Show, from the Majority Report, and from Woke Bros, the uh, very funny and cogent Michael Brooks. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. I, I, I threw the word cogent in there, and I feel very proud of myself. I was like, myself. wow. I will what a word. Uh, <laughs> I'll be cogent. My coffee I remember when uh, <laughs> I was in Turkey studying abroad when the uh, Reverend Wright speech blew up. Mm. <laughs> and I remember, like, having to explain so many different things to Turkish people. Like, all right, America's, like, incredibly racist, but I actually think Obama will win. And now he's going to disavow his imam or pastor or whatever. <laughs> but the guy gave an awesome speech. Yeah. And anyways, that's why I'm going to go back to the Internet Cafe, guys. Thank you. 
Oh, man. I love being abroad and having to explain that America's racist. Like, <laughs> you guys can't tell from over here? Um, it may look like we really have everything put together. <laughs> you know you know what? But did you ever feel like, like, I remember, I think specifically at that time, like, there was, because sometimes, like, like, I remember this German kid at a party to me was like, you really think you will elect a black president? America's so racist. And I was just like, um... That is both absolutely correct and that we're a profoundly racist place, but also like, dude, do you is it you really want to ride like that? Yeah. German guy? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. I, there was something about the sanctimony of Europeans with that shit where it's like at least before Trump there was a lot of like attempts at plausible deniability here. Yeah. And it would be like you're in countries that are literally electing like, yeah, we were we supported Hitler. Yeah. That's what we did. And you're gonna come at me. And then to be honest, like in a place, you know, like some of the shit you'd hear in Turkey was just like pre even that discussion. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, the Kurds, their blood fucks them up. <laughs> You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> sure. They have tainted blood. What's the, what's the most racist thing you ever heard in Turkey? That's a really good question. What is the most racist? Do you racist? get Comtown in Turkey? <laughs> <laughs> this is pre comtown guys. We lived in a pre comtown world in 2007. The Homeland the intro music plays and then fucking Stav starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, no, I mean, you know what it was? It was, it was, it was honestly, it was like, this is going to sound racist of me, but it was literally like, it was Borat style rate. Like it was like amongst people who were not, you know, not like the, the elites frankly but you just like if you talk to like a normal like our roommate was like you know this like middle class turkish uh woman and she would just say like she literally like oh this is uh, the greece they are uh, enemies <laughs> 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 very bad people they're always taking everything <laughs> like just shit like that yeah. it, in a way it was almost like super innocent yeah like, yeah right. it, that's why it really gets on my nerves when other americans will go to play especially in europe and feel the need to uh, like i'm sorry we're american it's like this fucking country <laughs> is every country every country is based on subjugation any place with borders has done f some fucked up shit. I mean, any place, yeah. any place with a fucking empire. Yeah, I mean, especially like, the empires. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There's this weird, like, Lisa Simpson-ish, like, assumption, I think, that people make out of their own guilt as Americans, where they're like, everyone at not here is somehow smarter and more civilized than us. Another another weird, like, uh, in, uh, really not. interpretation of that is, like, so, some people do that with time, where they're just, like, in the Victorian era, they were way more civilized than us. Yeah. Before we had, <laughs> right, and the people that got, before we had fake news, as if, like, facts were just readily accessible a hundred years ago. Yeah. Like, there's so much yellow journalism. People just fucking... believed in, like, magic a hundred yeah. years ago. It'd be like, <laughs> that oh. was a very weird one, the time travel one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting the time travel one at all. Yeah, I'm dude, also, time fetishists are yeah. the weirdest people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have heard that, uh, and don't, you know, I'm sure there's counterexamples, but in France, they are, they kind of, like, adore African Americans. Like, I've had uh, black friends of mine have gone to France and they've been like, "Oh yeah, I was treated like a king." Well, but they don't adore like, like, like black uh, French people from black other yeah people. <laughs> I mean, it's I, you know, it's just like I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, I studied this a little bit and I'll have a cogent point on it. Hey, oh. yeah, yeah. See, there you go. Cogent. Are we gonna, like, are we gonna like come a, cogent? Pod damn it, pod. 
Yeah, dude, this this Pot fucking week's show is all about cogent being American. cogent. Pod cogent. Nice. That wasn't a very cogent, or, you know, joke I made. But they yeah. were all about like the the French model of racism was different than the uh, they were because they were like it, their their bigotry was like were about be, like less about. I mean, it was about color, but a little bit less. It was more about the French model, right? Like if you could become French, you could become civilized. Yeah. Whereas like the UK it was just like you're not white. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like the French. So they so they had. um. So I definitely think that there was a time like, yeah, man, people like James Baldwin went and lived in France and had experienced substantially less racism. But on the other hand, I mean, today, Time the National Front is popping. Yeah. They yeah. hate their fucking Arabs. They hate their Algerians. Anybody who's ever watched the Battle of Algiers like, you know. The the French <laughs> hold their own in any like global racism battle. They they rep. Yeah. Mm. They won the World Cup and most racist nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Macron, and Macron is trash. <laughs> the thing that's so funny. Yeah, about we'll France get we'll get to why Macron. are they always historically out of step? Like when like several years like when when like the third way dominated the world like in the late nineties and like Clinton and Blair and those people like the French had a little bit of like their their top center left leader i think his name was uh Leonel jaspin like he opposed the third way because he was a bit more of like a traditional socialist mm-hmm. so he had these critiques and now as like the rest of the world is sort of i mean you know it's contested we'll see but like the left is definitely on the insurgency in like united states in some ways and certainly in the uk and in mexico and then there's fascism elsewhere. The French were like finally like, oh no, we should elect this like garbage third way leader. Now that that's like <laughs> retro, like yeah. it's totally it's totally out of date. It's it's like like he, he like Macron's like fucking AOL politics. And He's like just like <laughs> no this time. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. He's They're like, always a couple years off. He's well, like the Strokes. He's yeah, like, yeah, 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 from just recent history. But yeah, yeah. Why no, are you listening to him exactly. right now? Well, that's a good segue into uh, the various uh, spots around the globe we're going to talk about this week on a, a very international pod, damn America. Um, France, it's a place around the globe. <laughs> France, it's fucking over there. It's weird. Over there. Um, there we go. Before we get to France, I, I want to talk about something real quick just to check in on uh, our friend Amlo down in Mexico. If you are a listener of the show, we did an episode about him when he uh, when he won his election. Um, he was sworn in. Um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the uh, sort of, um, depending on who you're talking to, left to center left, uh, sort of Corbin, Bernie-ish uh, presidential uh, candidate, now president-elect, now president um, in Mexico. Um, He was sworn in yesterday, and I think he's really interesting because uh, he ran this, you know, very populist leftist campaign and, um, you know, was mayor of Mexico City before that and did things like drove to work in a a shitty beat-up Toyota and stuff like that. And uh, It's It's not even a pickup truck. It doesn't even have the grid of a pickup truck. Yeah, it's just it, like broke dad, broke divorced dad. He's like a fucking like shitty. He's he's very Bernie-ish in that he's like a shitty like guy in a beat up suit who's like uh you know disheveled and stuff. Yeah, and, uh, drove, uh, it was a Jetta. 
yeah. the presidential elect, uh, inauguration on an old uh, Jetta. <laughs> Any car Jetta. that's covered in sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he, the, the guy's president of Mexico, and he, he drove a, a Jetta that I'm sure if you opened it, like, like uh, fast food packaging would fall out of it and shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. He looks pretty healthy. <laughs> he is a like, silver like, fox. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he looks like... He's in his sixties. Looks, I don't think he's eating like shit. Yeah, he's an incredibly yes. desirable man. That's my <laughs> yoga hippie shit coming out. But he looks like he takes care of himself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah. No, go ahead, man. Uh, um, I was just gonna say he uh, he was sworn in a couple days ago, and um, yeah, he drove a Jetta to work. He's selling like the Mexican Air Force One, like their plane. He's doing all this crazy Interesting. shit. Interesting. And uh, and most importantly, though, he's um, basically for the first time in uh, a long time, there was a, a big indigenous ceremony in swearing him in. Um, he like uh, they burnt all this incense around him and shit. And he like got down on a knee like he was in some weird fantasy novel and they handed him a scepter with a fucking snake skull on the top of it. Oh, yes. The yes. president of Mexico. Awesome. Very cool. I want to start doing that before my show. <laughs> this is the Swear future liberals want. Once I, I remember, man, I was like 15, 16 years old and I went to a World Bank uh, protest and this woman who was I think she was from Guatemala she did a ceremony like that with us in like the basement oh, nice. of this church. Cool, wild. She like Wait. burned sage and like. And <laughs> I was totally into it. I I was like, yeah, I'm I'm insulated from. From riot, riot police. Wait, wait. <laughs> so this isn't just the president ceremony. You can just like do this. Well, I didn't get a snake scepter. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, that's the, yeah. I think that was the that's the head of. State I mean, that's a big difference. This wasn't part of the new trade agreement where you have to. <laughs> if you're the Mexican president, you have to curse yourself. <laughs> change against the terrorist lord. No, no, snake scepter is not a curse. That's a blessing. Yeah, that's a blessing. You can't trade a snake scepter. It's a fact. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Amlo is really interesting because, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that the, the sort of big question mark hanging over his head is, oh, is he going to be like an Obama? You know, is he going to be like this center left kind of disappointment? Is he going to be like this crazy Corbin? Like, I, you know, and I'm not a fucking Mexican, uh, political wonk or oh, whatever. Shit, no, no, believe it or not, <laughs> I'm a comedian living in. I'm sure someone here is. <laughs> Um, but he's an interesting counterpoint to uh, something we're going to talk about later, which is um, you know the rise of like far right wing fascism mm-hmm. and shit in mm-hmm. in Brazil and uh, all I, these. I think he's he's. I mean, definitely like what how he will be like when you talk about these people. I think it's always really important to to do it in context, right? And so it doesn't excuse somebody like Obama, but what was possible in the United States when Obama became president is already different today than it was, right. you know. And so I th- and so but on the other hand, I mean their their personal biographies matter and I would definitely say like Obama was somebody who I mean, I like Obama as a guy and I think you can defend him in some very specific ways, but on the other hand, part of the reason that I wasn't as disappointed in Obama as other people is because it's like this dude is not of the left. Yeah, you're ever. not disappointed because you, you read, read his if platform. You read his yeah. platform. Right. Read his books. You would think he's a very intelligent, very interesting person who has some empathy and some, you know, good life experience and whatever. And he had a cool pastor. But besides <laughs> that, like he is totally of like the technocratic center. Right. And and. Amlo is definitely not like Amlo is not he's not radical, but he goes back to 
a super old like Mexican socialist uh, tradition, democratic socialist yeah. tradition, and his rhetoric um, and clarity on what neoliberalism has done to Mexico is incredibly powerful. And I think that, you know, I, th I think like the big question marks contextually are still like he's going to go up against the relationship with the United States, potentially, if he really takes on U.S. foreign policy and corporate interests there. Right. And when he does things like saying, I'm going to find out and get to the bottom of like that massacre of over 40 students that happened a couple years ago, which was done by. I think like a cartel squad definitely with links to local politicians right. and he's like well, I'm gonna finally solve that he's going up against serious fucking like like actual deep state shit mm. in a Mexican context so I think like you know I guess my thing with him is I mean I, I I'm definitely like critical support and I think he is pretty genuinely definitely like I mean he's friends with Corbin he is pretty center left pretty left but I also think like it's super important, particularly when we're like living in like the seat of empire, basically, and you realize all of the things he's going up against to have to not like excuse him. But like it would be very dumb if people are, oh, look at Ant, look at him. He's fucking selling out. Like yeah. you have no idea the shit that he's going to go up against in a in a world where, you know. Like you said, like Trump is president, fascism's rising across Latin America. See, I think in context, his rise is like so inspiring. But I think well, totally. I also am just I know a few people who are like really into Zapatismo and shit down there. And it, even, you know, wherever you go, there's going to be somebody with a bunch of fucking um, hammer and sickle emojis in their Twitter name who's like just too, you know, nothing is pure enough for them or whatever. And yeah, whatever. I, 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 don't, the... I don't have much time. I mean, I love the Zapatistas, but I don't have much time for that kind of posture. Yeah. Well, that's not even representative of the Zapatistas. I say, just... that, and also the other thing is like Zapatistas are not on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you really want to hold it down like that? Like they're more Snapchat. Of, yeah, they're more of they're more into the uh, yeah. yeah the dog filters. Yeah, but the, like, the filter saying, is I, the mask I on mean, your face. <laughs> that would be a dope filter. Actually, I'd get back on Snapchat. For that. Be pretty cool. But I just think like I think like I mean yeah I think that you shouldn't really that one of the reasons honestly I just, I don't really talk like that is because I don't like move like that to be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that like. So nothing but respect for people like the Zapatistas, but that's a, a rarity if people are being real, and we need to support them. But that's not certainly if you're you know tweeting about Amlo not being pure enough, you're not holding down an autonomous anarchist zone. In Mexico, well, yeah, most likely. Yeah, but he also like the reason he won is because he. I mean, he almost he basically won in 2006, running a more he did explicitly win. That's a yeah, stolen election. He, he, absolutely, yeah. But he ran an explicitly left leftist uh, campaign then but the, he needed after that to win by a super majority so he had to sort of bring more moderate uh, voters into the fold um, but something interesting too is, is another per thing he is not is part of the pink tide he's not um, part of this group of, of Latin American politicians who came to power in the early 2000s when the U.S. focus was going away from Latin America to the Middle East uh, and the, who depended on Chinese investment uh, and he's not I wouldn't really call him uh, someone in the vein of a, a Castro is he is what you said yeah he's a he is um, part of the ideology that goes back to Mexico a hundred years ago the, that democratic socialist 
uh, ideology. And so the it, actual like the left part of the ruling party, right? Like the pre. Yeah. The right. pre used to have a left, and he broke from the pre back in like I think even as early as the seventies because of uh, their lack of follow through. But I mean. If he had gotten elected, if, if they didn't steal the election from him in 2006, he would be part of the pink tide. He would be part of the more, I mean, the pink tide was a really broad thing. The pink yeah. tide on one poll, and I think, and I support all of them, um, to be honest, but I think like on one poll, you know, Chavez was more militant and nationalist and successful and problematic in some ways. Lula was super conciliatory and probably and had definitely had like the most success at the time, but also didn't, you know, build an infrastructure where he couldn't uh, get taken down later on. But the pink tide included everything from, you know, like a very, very broad set of politicians. They were all just sort of broadly synchronized with being somewhat somewhere on the left spectrum and supporting social investment. Yeah, I mean, my point about yeah. the, the pink tide is less ideological than it is historical, like he's yeah, coming he into power. Yeah, he doesn't have that context. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying, another reason to be, like, you know, uh, mindful of how mu how quickly we judge him on, because uh, he doesn't have, he the guy has, like, no context for uh, striking out, you know, politically. He doesn't have a, a squad of countries around him. He doesn't have sympathetic leadership in the united states so not you know yet. not maybe yet you guys, it's possible <laughs> maybe you guys know more about this because i'll admit i don't know shit about mexican politics but like isn't it a huge disadvantage and maybe uh something that's going to affect his moving forward that these other pink tide countries are you know affected by the specter of american imperialism in the western hemisphere but mexico is literally on our border and yeah like the aggression on the border is being stepped up all the time. Like we sent all those troops there. Oh yeah, they're still Don't down you? there. <laughs> like they're just hanging <laughs> out. It's weird because no doubt. On the other hand, I it's mean, so Mexico has a lot more. Uh, you know, Mexico in some ways, like certainly unlike like Central American countries, the United States can just completely bully and dominate. Of course, the United States bullies and dominates Mexico, but Mexico is a lot bigger and has a lot more sort of its own sort of pressure points that it could pull, just even like how AMLO is going to deal with the Guatemalan border is already a big difference from the United States. And then there's like a really fucked up synchronicity, which is just like weird and a problem. But like in the new NAFTA negotiations, there was some actual improvements on Mexican labor rights, which obviously AMLO supports with the Trump people actually backed. And so you have some of the like the more real white nationalists in the Trump administration are actually sympathetic to Mexico should be a slightly better place to live. <laughs> so they don't come here because yeah. we're fucking racists. Yeah. But in terms of dealing, but, but on the other hand, I mean, we have to agitate and fight against that. But if you're AMLO, I would take it where you get it. Like, all right, if you're supporting this because you're fucking scum, I mean, we're still going to take it and work on improving labor rights here. Right. You know? I've got the serpent scepter. Yeah, he's got <laughs> the serpent scepter exactly. Yeah. I'm a snake man. It's also funny too about the la is you right. He did. I mean, he he campaigned in a very broad way. You're right. I think to really win a serious mandate. But what's been interesting is like, un like unlike so many other, you know, the stereotype, particularly in the United States, is you like run radical and then you get into office and you're like, ah, oh, actually, he he's been way more radical since he got inaugurated in his rhetoric than in most of his campaign rhetoric. His right. whole yeah. presidential inauguration speech was like, neoliberalism is over. Everybody else on this stage is corrupt. 
and I'm coming for you. That's what I think is really interesting about him, and I think it's like kind of hopeful because like we just have a sort of collective, uh, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we expect candidates to let us down in that particular fashion. We just have the memory right. of like Obama and people like that, and just our own political process. But then, like, I don't almost kind of dominated. Yeah, we love it. We're a bunch of fucking pigs. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like similar to like AOC, kind of like when she got in, she starts doing shit. People go, "Holy shit!" We all thought you were gonna crap out on us like yeah, really quickly right. or whatever. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. Good while maintaining excellent social media, <laughs> unprecedented <laughs> skill at social media. Dude, AOC is so confusing to me because all my like liberal boomer friends love her, and yes! you just look at her and you go, yes, "But, but, but, what about the like? This what do you guys actually you believe? You hate in? all the time. Because, no, because yeah. that's it, though. It's all style and branding for them. Yeah, and she hits the right style and brand." And that's a good thing. So that's how Amlo wins, right? Yeah. He needs to get like like AOC level fucking social media and just be on Snapchat with his dog face on. <laughs> My fucking mom will be like, like hey Have guys, you seen this Amlo here, guy? We're breaking up the Sinaloa cartel, <laughs> yeah. which worked with the DEA. It was super bad. <laughs> he's got his fucking snake skull scepter and he's like, I'm making instant pot mac and cheese. <laughs> and, uh, I like that. I like what I like. What's cool though is that it isn't like, because you also got like Rashid. To live and Ilan Omar, right? Like mm -hmm. you've got like a little squad of these people, and I like especially how like like Rashida Talib has a very different style than AOC. Like they're both you know young left woman politicians, but mm -hmm. like she's so Detroit. So like you can see like like AOC will put out like, hey, I'm really concerned that like at the orientation like. We have Gary Cohen addressing us, you know, like, I'm really concerned about that. Like, in her, like, super <laughs> earnest AOC way, and Rashid Tlaib's like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> fucking joy. And, like, there's environmental pollution because of those fucking Koch brothers. Like, yeah. It's great. When you start, like, not all of the burden is on Bernie to, like, represent all yeah. of it. Part of, like, the success of getting good people elected is you can start to fucking just have different styles, you know, to yeah. deliver good politics. That's I can't wait thing. until all of Congress is just millennials and there's just no more, like, standard of class or anything. Everyone's just fucking trashy. Millennials are ruining Congress. <laughs> <laughs> We're killing it. The Congress industry. <laughs> the subtweets about other congressmen, man, that's going to be... Uh, but something Mexico has that we don't that, uh, well, at least in the past 50 years, is an actual, like, active, militant left movement that is going to hold AMLO accountable. And we haven't had that yet in, you know, anyone's lifetime. Yeah, well, so I guess, like, the, what I'm talking about with this, uh, you know, the, like, pessimism about him or whatever does come from, you know, in the left, in Mexico, at least as far as I understand it, there is a little bit of uh, like not wanting to get your hopes up, I guess, about someone yeah. like him because, yeah. and this is a little, this will tie back when we start talking about Brazil. But there is this question of like corruption that is uh, kind of uh, something that all sides of the political spectrum are able to use against each other. And, mm -hmm. and in the narrative of Amlo, like you know, running his campaign, there was <coughs> there this was considered like a factor. Like a lot of people. In the left, I think in Mexico are, are very nihilistic because you know, oh, it's obviously so corrupt. Like everyone kind of knows he won in two thousand six. Yeah. yeah, but you know he didn't. They they didn't give it to him, and so there's kind of like this this thing where it's it's so fucked. Everyone knows that politicians are you know they're mobbed up and they get all this money and stuff. Um, and so I think in the narrative of 
Bolsonaro's rise, that's going to be like an interesting uh, thing because I don't know. It, the more I read about Bolsonaro and the more I like hear interviews and stuff about him, like that it becomes apparent that there's a through line with him and like Trump and everyone where that's, that's like a, uh, almost like, like an interesting propaganda factor. Mm-hmm. The, the concept of corruption. Um, yeah. I don't really, hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just briefly going to say the corruption uh, issue was kind of, we have to be careful about that, especially when we're talking about developing countries, quote unquote developing, because that is used by nationalists and fascists to to fucking repress people is this quote unquote corruption. And, uh, and I mean in here too, like I just, I've been doing, a, you know, I'm pretty passionate about this, I guess would be the right word because, you know, I've, I definitely cover Brazil quite a bit. And I think that anti-corruption politics is so easy and such, frankly, just a bad way to do politics right. if you're coming from the left. Because I think, first of all, if you want to be really macro for a second, I'll, I'll get fucking college dorm room here for a minute. Oh, but it's damn. like, okay, <laughs> capitalism is Hang up your head capitalism is corrupt, right? Like capitalism is yeah. corrupt. There's there's structural corruption everywhere. Right. By definition in in a, in a market based society. And I think like you look at a place just I, I'll take it to Brazil for a second. Like you had a guy in Lula who gets elected president and takes leadership over a literal just a structurally corrupt system in the same way that. There's many aspects of the United States that are just structurally corrupt. It has nothing to do with the individual personality of who's taking it over, right? So, like, if you want to pass shit in Brazil, you have to pay off smaller parties. If you want to fund your campaigns, they spend more on campaigns uh, than anywhere in the world except for us in Brazil. There's a huge amount of money sloshing around, and there's a huge amount of stuff that... When they got rid of their military dictatorship, like in a lot of places, they didn't get rid of um, basically old oligarchic power, right? Like they right. they transitioned to a democracy, which Lula was a huge part of, actually, as a labor leader. And so you get this guy who becomes president. And what's funny is at the time, it's covered in the United States and Britain as like, oh, he got moderate. Like he's doing real politics now. He's not a radical anymore which meant that he'd like cut deals with other parties and did Brazilian politics and Brazilian politics, as I say, is like literally structurally corrupt. You cannot do shit without like being involved in some sketchy like funding, essentially. Although I think the specific charges they've brought against them are actually like unbelievably weak and bullshit. Right. But on the other hand, the guy brought like conservatively 30 million people out of poverty and did these incredible things for the country, like eliminated hunger as an issue, like brought record numbers of women and Afro-Brazilians into power, also reset Brazil's foreign policy, empowered its state companies to actually publicly invest instead of just siphon money off to oligarchs. And so, you know, it's like, the I think like the, the real question is, is like, you have to set those things aside in a certain way and be like, all right, like fundamentally, if you're going to deal with corruption as an issue in a place like Brazil, 
you're going to have to do things that were totally impossible when he was president, like break up the media monopolies, like do serious things about police and drug cartels and wealth concentration in that country, which were which if he tried to do would have immediately branded him as like, oh, my God, this guy's a communist who's going to ruin this country. Right. Right. So like what he did was is he accepted and made certain arrangements with a corrupted system and then actually really delivered for people. And the way just just a real quick, like the way it actually played out was, you know, there were these and this is where I think the left needs to be really strategic. Um, and a little bit more thoughtful at times because like in 2013 there were these protests that started in San Paulo around like free public transportation which is you know that's a good thing we all support free public transportation mm-hmm. and somehow these protests and I think there's a lot of reasons behind it including even like there's like Koch brothers money at work in Brazil too started getting morphed into and connected with these like sprawling anti-corruption protests that start taking off in like 2013, 14 and 15. And all of that energy about what is corrupt in Brazil gets all focused on the workers party. Besides even the fact that like literally every single political party in Brazil is implicated by all of these corruption scandals. So like when, and, and then you can see it with Trump and Bolsonaro and all of these leaders, when they talk about corruption, they're, obviously first of all ignoring their own massive corruption and they're using it as a trojan horse to just give countries away to corporations and have authoritarian right-wing politics so i just i think we got to be a lot more intelligent about how we think about that shit yeah and it seems like when lula came to power i've heard from other people that one of the big mistakes is that he didn't go nearly far enough and like taking on capital and like nationalizing shit uh that's the thing that's like I know, like, that's true. It's totally true, but it's also, like, that's what I mean about also just, like, like that's the type of shit that will start to annoy me of, like, you know, people in Brooklyn in 2018 being like, oh, you know, when this fucking, like, labor leader who never even went to college somehow became president of this, like, incredibly <laughs> repressive right-wing country in 2002 when George W. Bush is in office yeah. and, like, all of this shit is happening and, like, Oh, yeah, he brought like 30 million people out of poverty and like brought Brazil its own independent foreign policy outside of being in the throes of the United States and aligned with Cuba and cut deals with Iran and still managed to not get bothered by the U.S. for like over a decade. Like that's a fucking unbelievable accomplishment. We could take those longer term lessons for sure. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit like, all right, guys, like, he's not enough. Like Julia the fuck Salazar. Down. Well, I'll re- yeah, I'll remember that for when I meet someone, some asshole in Brooklyn trying to talk shit about uh, trying to armchair socialist revolution. But you get into uh, a, a knockdown drag out fight at Cobra Club. About <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's just he's some other nerd to, like. The people from the workers part, like I did, I talked a little bit to Fernando Haddad a couple weeks ago who came, you know, who, who came to the United States like on a tour to like talk about what's happening in Brazil. And he was like the guy who ran for president because they barred Lula for running. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's not like they don't know this. You know what I'm saying? Sure, they're yeah, not I mean, like the they're biggest... like, yeah, we get it. On the other hand, like, guys, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, there yeah. was a little bit of barriers in place here, like whether Lula would even allowed to be be president like this is a place where military coup like there was a threat of a military coup this summer when the supreme court was considering allowing lula to run so i'm not i it's structurally 100 percent they needed to go further but like 
you know, I just didn't want the left to be more strategic and less moralistic. You Do know they? what I'm sure. saying? Sure. I mean, I'm not making it a, yeah. a, as a moralistic argument at all. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and like as you said, the PT's biggest critics are PT. Yeah. Uh, they are all out absolutely self-aware um but i think structurally going forward you have to be cognizant of you know um things like capital strikes and and uh the ruling class like like you give them an inch they'll take a mile um but and i remember hearing some anecdotes about how when lula took over uh there were a lot of like maids and things who there's this phenomenon where they just automatically became like way more surly to their bosses Wait, uh, wait, so wait, 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 what? They were surly. They were surly. <laughs> the like they would talk, levels. they would be like rude to, they, all, the, overnight they just started like being like. They would okay. the cobwebs out. <laughs> yeah. Like a hyper class structure in Brazil. Like, like, yeah, just like, just, no, I know what you're saying. Like even just Lula becoming president just because of who he was and like the class structure there, there was a much broader like people in Brazil from lower classes who have been. Terrorized uh, and repressed in every possible way, you. even in like super simple interactions, being like, "What?" You're like, "Oh, I'm not gonna take this shit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My right. guys, whatever. Well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. So there was a lot of that anger, that that sort of revolutionary uh, feeling that um, could have been harnessed. Uh, obviously, you send me to Brazil in 2002, make me leader. I would <laughs> <Okay>. completely <laughs> fuck it up. Uh, Let's send Anders to Brazil. Yeah. I know we never should have sent Anders back in time to run Brazil. <laughs> it cost so much fucking money, and we did it anyway. <laughs> you would be so much more of the right of Lula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always want to sell the country off to the IMF. Oh, in a heartbeat. socialism. In a heartbeat. The new labor leader is just, he's spending all of this time on puns yeah i just want to move forward <laughs> <laughs> pachismo more like uh cheese cheese mo, mo cheese well, I, yeah. think like, I just think like because because people did like sh content on this like in 2015 2016 and it was totally right to to critique them but it's like now it's like all right there's literally a fascist taking power lula is a political prisoner they're promising to literally strip cut the entire Amazon, get rid of all the labor protections there, you know, constitution like we got to be forward moving solidarity now. For sure. Yeah. But that makes me. But the, the reason I bring this up is because I, how I don't see how it's going to happen in, through parliamentary means through the, the PT like anytime soon. Like he's, you know, going to be in office for uh, four years, probably. Uh, and like. He's going to try and do further power grabs, you know? Like, so what are you... I mean, so, so like, I, you know, so there's no doubt, and he's already talking about, as an example, they're introducing a bill in Parliament that would ban protests. Yeah. They're talking about criminalizing the landless movement. Sergio Moro, who is the prosecutor who put Lula in jail on these trumped-up charges, is the justice minister in the new government. And his next area, he said he's going to focus on where there's a lot of corruption or labor unions. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's a... It's a systemic uh, power grab. But the thing, again, it's like I'm not militancy in Brazil is great. Militancy in Brazil is not what brought down the military dictatorship in the 80s. There were um, general strikes in the in the um, in the like industrial belt that Lula helped lead, which were definitely a part of it. But militant organizations didn't like they were brave. They were tortured. They didn't have anything to do with what brought it down, ultimately. And in today's context, like, 
it's a really big question mark because the truth is like 60 million people voted for the guy and there isn't like a popular insurgency like that so the reality is is like the most power that there is in terms of like a countervailing force to this is still PT mm-hmm. for sure. They're still the largest yeah. party in parliament and they're still connected with the social movement. So, you know, again, I'm just like, again, from a very real perspective, like I don't think in the United States, like I think it's actually insane that AOC is not already spoken about this. Like there's instruments of U S foreign policy and U S solidarity that could be really practically possible. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that's the the yeah. big question mark. I don't have the answers, but I think PT absolutely will be a part of it. But this really reminds me of Franco, honestly. Like uh, you look at Bolsonaro, James Franco. <laughs> James Franco. <laughs> <It's> Franco. <laughs> yeah. You look. I, I'm. I bet he's going to end up playing Jair Bolsonaro in a biopic. He's going to play two of them, like in if the. the yeah, I was. Um, if the guy who played Sosa in Scarface, I don't know if he's still alive. He could play Bolsonaro. Yeah, he could play Bolsonaro. Or uh, fucking who is it? Hank. He looks like. I'll pull it up. But um, Bolsonaro is such a weird looking. Like he's one of those like. Yeah. Uh, he looks really ill. Yeah. Sick. He's got like no chin. And he's always complaining like about a series being... of balls. Yeah. You know, like spheres from top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, Tippy the Turtle in that old infomercial. <laughs> 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 like a like a evil Michelin man. He's like one of those like uh those angry south american like white guys you're just like oh if i saw this guy in pittsburgh he'd like he'd talk like this but yeah. then you see him yelling and you know uh-huh. some accent you don't understand it's like shit. Ted Cruz. yeah, yeah. right wing latin american people are the worst people on earth oh, yeah. the worst yeah <laughs> <laughs> And we're, gonna, when we're like some rich person from Venezuela who's right wing. You're just like, yeah, you're, you're like, are you a Nazi? Are you like literally? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, I went to college with a lot of them who would play other cards. Um, well, because we they say. all come here. Yeah, because <laughs> so they're to insanely wealthy and they're like built and they're like trying to trash talk Americans for being privileged or whatever. What do you uh, think about the the pre- like the? Do you think because. Bolsonaro is like this, you know, if you're keyed into this, it's like this alarming, you know, fascist rise. But I I was watching like um like a YouTube clip of like French television about him last night and it was very like it was framed like, ah, uh, you know, he said a couple of racist things, but he's just this, you know, yeah, charismatic populist or whatever. That's the way that's why that bullshit corruption narrative is like why it's so dangerous, right? Because I mean, the fucking Wall Street Journal endorsed him, and right? All and so that's literally in the same way Jesus that they endorsed Christ. every other <laughs> fascist that you could. He I had mean, lunch with Eve Canadian Cana- CBC was like, "This is gonna be great for Canada." They lit- they tweeted out like. He said some bad stuff, but huge opportunity in the mining <laughs> yeah. industry. And, uh, <laughs> so, like, no, I, but I think that, like, when you just, I mean, th- but that's the problem. To, first, and, like, it's all about corruption, so we take what he's saying at face value and we smear the PT, which is a lie. And then secondly, of course the stuff he said, he said unbelievably homophobic, misogynist, and racist stuff. But it's also it's you know you no one's talking about like the policy what they actually have planned because it's like you know the liberals get triggered by him as they should because he's awful but if you don't like put it into a deeper narrative that's going to be like the whole agenda of Western oriented business press to just be like oh well he doesn't he shouldn't say stuff like that but uh, like with Trump yeah Yeah. but but he's really serious about cutting pensions as an example and I think. 
in the last couple of days, there's been some weird corruption stuff actually coming up about him. Like his son has this questionable bank account and stuff. And this friend of mine in Brazil was saying, like, I think what happened, if I had to guess, is that last week Bolsonaro said something like pension reform is going to be really hard because it's super unpopular. Yeah. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that the that people in the business sector are there's like a one to one of him saying something like that and a story about his son bank account coming out mm. because all of the corruption shit is a sideshow for authoritarian politics and getting rid of unions and austerity. Yeah. I mean, and if you look back at the, into the 30s, the, the, uh, the business press was saying the same stuff about Franco, yep. their government saying the same thing. And. Uh, you know, absolutely. I think Haddad would have been. I think would have been an excellent. Uh, been a good president. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, if but back then there was a coalition of not only socialist parties but anarchists from around the world, international brigades going to Spain and fighting the Franco regime. I think the PT is absolutely going to play a part of that. But the question is going to be: Will that there be other international left? You know groups coming over to brazil trying to do direct action uh, have relief for people who are going to be do you think we should we should send our own george orwell to go fight uh fucking brazil that's where ragav is today (laughs) people are asking where he's down there and he's just angry as hell different situation but yeah i think uh my hot take uh here i'm gonna insert here i think our modern orwell is banksy I think. Interesting. <laughs> you think he's American? Actually, no. This is a hot take about how. Um, that is a hot take. Or like, it's about how Orwell <laughs> sucks. I think because he's from the past, we think he's smart, but he's actually just Banksy from the past. Oh, Everything's wow, very heavy-handed. A, no, Orwell's actually good. Yeah, I like the Catalonia Orwell gets book tra- a lot. Orwell has a bad brand because of all the garbage people that like him. But he's, yeah. he was actually pretty. He good. was a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was. He, a, he was a legit socialist. He criticized yeah. Dickens for being too middle of the road. But Finally, he named yeah. names. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone takes Dickens down. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always say. I'm um, just for way too long. But yeah, man. I mean, I think honestly, regard. I mean, that could that could end up being the case in terms of like international solidarity and like what the social. I mean, in Lula's most recent letter, he was like, "We need to get back into the streets and back into the neighborhoods." Who knows how it will play out? But in the short term. I mean, I think that it's, you know, every single that definitely needs to be like some type of democratic uh, litmus test on foreign policy to talk about Brazil. And it also needs to be framed correctly, which is that it was a soft coup backed by corporate interests in the United States. The charges against Lula are either they're they're bullshit in and of themselves. And if we're thinking properly, the guy can like it. I don't buy these charges. It's actually shocking how weak they are. But the truth is like. If you want to get like a fucking condo in exchange for taking thirty million people out of poverty, you can get a fucking condo. <laughs> like Where? these are these issues. Like they, it's so crazy that that's what they got. Not you got to look at this bigger because even like that's the thing that makes Amlo different too. Amlo is talking about corruption, but he's saying. We have to get. He's also rid- talking about getting a condo, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's going to get it like an apartment near the fucking place where the president lives or something. I don't it know. is wild. Oh yeah, he car. wants. To, he's he already <laughs> made the presidential mansion into like a community center or something. Yeah, he's right? going to get like a roommate. And he's shit. talking about getting rid of corruption so he can fund social programs. The money that's saved. Yeah. Right. Whereas in Brazil, they they made deals so that they could have social programs. And so, you know, that's it. And the current president of Brazil that's been in office since they got rid of Dilma is like he's he's like literally on tape talking about bribing witnesses. <laughs> they have like nothing like that on Lula. 
Yeah. It's also funny, like the last thing about Lula is like that when they, the landless movement went and occupied this condo that was supposedly given to him. So they like have like video footage of like this supposed, and it was always reported in the press like a seaside villa, like a seaside condo, and it's literally just like fucking middle class like it looks like something in florida yeah it's like not ostentatious at all <laughs> and he was never even in it yeah and, and that's they stuck him there for 12 years like aoc's house so, i think it's where is to... lula it's, he's, he's in a jail. prison in Kurt, in curitiba and he has uh they've barred him from speaking to the press this is a place where they've literally like drug cartel leaders and murderers get like tv interviews he hasn't been able to communicate publicly uh, he's in solitary, uh, yeah, for about eight months now. It's wild. Yeah. I assumed like house arrest. That's fucking crazy. No, <laughs> no, and, they, and that's another thing is that twenty-two other people, at least from this Lava Jato investigation, have been released early or on house arrest. And also, there's people in Brazil, like the way Brazil justice system, like there's people who've like m- again, like more serious corruption charges going back to the 1990s who haven't even been charged yet. And not only did they put him in jail, they haven't let him speak or run for president, even though he led Bolsonaro by like over double yeah. digits. Like it's a, it's a political imprisonment. Lula like would have won. Lula would have won. You have oh. to be super wow. fucking naive. Typical Lula lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a total Lula lad. <laughs> you woke bros coming here saying Lula would have won. Lula would have won. Um, I guess. To round out our little little globe trotting episode here, we should talk a little bit about this yellow vest thing in France. Hop back on the plane, everyone. Um, what what exactly is uh, the 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 groundswell that led to this uh, this yellow vest uprising we're hearing about? Um, does anyone have like a good I know summary every, of it? Everybody hates Macron, right? He was elected. It's a popular new sitcom. Everyone hates Macron. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> that oh man, that would well, that'll definitely be on Comedy Central. If he gets booted out of office, it's going to become a resistance talk show. God, I would love to just kick his ass. Yeah, you should do it. Dude. <laughs> Did you see the egg? No, we played that on my show last week. What was the egg? Uh, just somebody threw an egg at him. Uh, like, oh, oh, man. Shit. That fucking nice. rules. We did it in slow motion. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was elected to basically prevent because they have rounds, as in Brazil, they have. Uh, different like runoff election if they have a second round um and so you know vast majority of french people don't like macron but they voted for him through event uh le pen uh but he raised gas or he's trying to raise gas taxes right gas taxes and amongst the whole bunch of other i mean i think it's just like yeah i mean he's an austerity anti-labor third way corporate guy and so and it's a reaching a boiling point there and also, you know, like they do have a great system in terms of things like healthcare, but there's like, you know, the job market is totally stagnant and there's a lot of like non headline like poverty and inequality there. And I think like just this move was just kind of like, you know, it could have been anything else. And to their credit, like they really do go on the street for shit. Yeah. And, th- and this is quintessential Bloombergism. This, right. It's a That's tax. Exactly right. It's for a sort of a good cause, but it's completely regressive. It's punishing the working class. So you have people getting out on the street. And uh, because in France, I think it's a law that all vehicles have to have yellow reflective 
uh, shit on them. And so people are wearing these yellow reflective vests so they look like, you know, construction workers or something. So it's this huge oh, groundswell cool. of people. Um, Where but, do you buy that those vests? Uh, fucking Paris. You gotta go. It's on like Bushwick Avenue. Yeah, they have to fly over here. Fly to Bushwick and go to the stock up. (laughs) Typical. And then they go and demonstrate. But I, I also think like, yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's pure Bloombergism, and it's and you see it by the way here, like. Right wing Twitter was all over this. Like, see, this is I what talked those environmental to somebody. people want to do. They yeah. want to make your life worse. They want to tax you. And the reality is, of course, like we need to just like take back all of the shit from the oligarchs and invest it in green energy. But well, I, I talked to somebody who got who tried to frame this as like, you know, this this is why you you, you know you can't have socialism. You can't have any of these progressive leftist candidates or whatever because, like, look, the, they're they're uh, protesting this, you know, because. Like the, I guess somebody I talked to tried to frame this as like, well, they're protesting the raising of taxes, but this is a specifically neoliberal problem because, you know, yeah, they are mad about this this tax raise, but it's because there's also not a standard of living. There's like a gap that's created between, you know, the amount, uh, the the standard of living that you have, and then the taxes you're allowed to pay, which is like a problem. Like, you know, when people criticize like Obamacare. There is actually a legitimate argument oh, yeah. you can make where you're like, well, you know, there's Fuck a gap the where I'm not yeah. getting the All fucking of those policies that. Yeah, I mean, that's a totally different. Like if you say, like if you pass Medicare for all like I did, um, I, f- I forgot what fucking course this was, but it was kind of interesting. Some college class I took, we did like the the insane amount of taxes that you pay in Denmark. Right. And it really was on papers like shit. That is a huge amount of fucking taxable income yeah but then you just went and it was like all right but okay now like what's your uh what's your bill for your car insurance what's your bill for this what's your bill and then basically you realize like you end up paying essentially the same thing except for bad crappy private services here that don't deliver right and then in denmark you get excellent health care and better air quality and better education all that shit so if you frame it right, those things will obviously even themselves out. But this is what what you said exactly. It's Bloombergism. This is just targeting people that are already completely overextended to pay for a problem that's not even really created by them, anyways. Like yeah. climate change is not because of people who work jobs needing to drive around. I'm not, I mean, obviously, in the long term, people need to drive less. But like, it's about a global supply chain that benefits a fraction of people that are not being asked to pay for shit and that's the issue and it but if you frame but if you let them have the fight on those terms like if bloombergism is and macronism is what people mean by left yeah we'll lose yeah and that's why i i'm excited about the potential here but also concerned uh because this could potentially set a new uh framework where we're not looking at politics as more taxes or left taxes or less taxes, left taxes, uh, you know, because that's what for the past 20 years, that's like what a lot, how a lot of people see politics. It's that's just, exactly do you right. want more tax or less taxes. And it's uh, and it is unfortunately like, I mean, I'm all for it and I hope they win. But it's the people and we, but we especially like going to Brazil, like you got to be like who's mostly capitalizing from these protests right now is not Melanchon on the left. It's Le Pen and the fascists. Right, but that's why we so have to get so involved. We, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree with that. you got to be in it, and you got to fight to define it. 
but it's not as simple as just like, oh, they're on the streets. That's great because there's a lot of fucking right wing energy there. Right. right. But there is I think people are talking about even the Socialist Party in France, which is pretty, you know, center now uh, and all basically irrelevant. But they are talking about just they want to completely reinvent the Constitution because I think uh, Macron has backtracked on this. Yeah, he's back down on this. one. But this, the movement is not. No. They want to fucking take it further. We don't know where it's going, but it could end up in with completely restructuring the French government so the the president would have like way less power, way less if power. any. And this is a site like it's the site of contestation, right? So totally like 100% the left needs to be in it. It's just that the left needs to know what's like it, it's like it's like yeah, what the the sort of like, oh, well that's not pure, so we're not part of it is delusional. And on the flip side, like, oh, they're protesting, so that's great. Isn't smart either. You got to be in it. Be like, we're fighting for socialism, and we're not fucking xenophobes. Yeah. And we might be just in the same way that you know, like, it didn't work out well, but it was also like great that entire terrier square in Egypt. There was leftists and secularists and Muslim Brotherhood people for one really specific goal to get rid of Mubarak. They were all there shoulder to shoulder, and that's actually a really good model. Um, in some ways, yeah, yeah, and I think for environmentalism too, because uh, we're also we also think of that as a government uh, issue. It's a it's more taxes, more regulations. But in France, I was lucky enough this summer to go to uh, the Zod, which is in government free zone basically it's Zionist it's, occupied district <laughs> 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 but it's yeah it's anarchists who who have a non-capitalist uh, way of life in this like small territory and they're all environmentalists and they're all anti-racist and uh, yeah it's not this framework again of more government less government cool uh, well this uh, yeah, has been good. rather fascinating our little trip around the world here Coaching. this week but we should probably take a quick around break and uh, get into much lighter, uh, dumber material here in the second part, um, in which we'll be talking about Sam Harris, the new atheists, and um, a very long Joe Rogan episode I fell asleep to last night. We'll be talking to you a little bit about Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick break, and uh, yeah, this will be um, the Patreon episode uh, coming up next. Uh, actually, yeah, let's do plugs before we uh, wrap up the episode this week uh, anybody got anything to plug let's start with you Alex thank you thank you Jake sir uh, I am doing a half an hour of stand-up comedy the very next week in Queens at QED in Astoria so if you live way up there in the wonderful world of Queens please come to this it's a big deal um, it's at uh, I think nine at Q nine thirty to eleven QBD on December fifteenth, and it's me and Danny Feltz are both doing half hours, so that's gonna be cool. I found out this week that two people from Australia listen to our show, but I bet no one from Queens does. So good luck <laughs> with that. Okay, that's great. <laughs> what about Queensland? Uh, the, the Australian people can still come. <laughs> they have time. Right. It's, it's quicker to get to QED from Australia than it is to <laughs> fucking Bushwick. That's well, that's true. the thing is if people don't come, I'm going to have such a long train ride and just mull that over <laughs> on the way back. I hate yeah, that yeah. train ride so much. But best of luck to you. Anders, you got anything? At uh, Anders Lee here on Twitter. Uh, I also have some uh, shows in the works for my solo show, Dummy, about the autistic spectrum. Uh, check it out on Facebook, Dummy Hyphen Solo Show. We'll be making some announcements soon uh, for a city near you. 
if you want to uh, check it out, Michael Brooks show on uh, YouTube. Uh, we have a lot of clips. We're starting to do that seriously now. So most of the clips and full shows are there. Michael Brooks show on iTunes, or if you want the whole experience, we're trying. We're getting close now. We're like a little over 200 away from our first 2,000 patrons. So help us get there and nice. Uh, nice. get a whole bunch of uh, content. Uh, kind of related actually to a lot of what we talked about today in terms of like illicit histories and then um february 1st at the bell house our first live show uh we're going to be there with special guests alona minkowski and bashkar sankara from jacobin and trevor Beaulieu from champagne sharks and uh hope to see everybody there cool um guys a lot of fun yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, we're gonna go trash new atheists for the patrons. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. yeah, that'll be our uh, second half here. Um, oh, hey, uh, if you're a listener to the show and uh, you've been coming to my live stand-up show, Yoko, the next one will be on the 11th of December here in a few days. Uh, that's what next Tuesday. I'm looking at my calendar. That's I forgot what oh, month it was. Yep, uh, second Tuesday of the month. Um, I just the fumes in this apartment are really getting to my head, and I completely forgot what fucking day of December it is. But our next one is in a few days, and uh, we got fucking Judah Friedlander to come out and do a spot. So that should be pretty cool. Nice. The guy with the hat from Thirty Rock. He Check has him the out. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, other than that, I think I'll be doing a couple of spots around Christmas here in uh, Bushwick. Uh, just check out my pin to tweet for all that and i'll mention them on the podcast uh anyways thank you for listening and uh sign up for our goddamn patreon to hear this uh this new atheist shit and all of our back catalog boop